innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it. Make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. WHUPLP, the center of the known world, Hillsboro, North Carolina. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, your source for the martial arts in North Carolina and beyond. And we're focused on the beyond today because I'm on the road in Nebraska, of all places. And Trevor is back in, I know, I right? You were in Boston, like somewhere cool. I was in Boston, somewhere cool. Now I'm in the land of corn and cheese and crullers or whatnot. Soon, soon I will be off to Denver, the Mile High City, where I hope to run into Mike Santos, who doesn't know that yet, but I'm going to call him uh-huh. later today. Uh, so yeah, it's Boston to Omaha to Denver, back to Boston, then to Asheville, and possibly uh, ducking back to the Triangle for the Next Level Fight Club event, uh, which is May 21st, and you and I will talk about that in just a minute, I'm sure. But um, Yes, sir. But enough of Jeff Shaw's travels. Uh, the, the most important thing is me and Trevor are in the era of – I love living in the modern era, the jetpack era. I need a robot butler. Uh, but but, uh, but, but we, we, have, we have cell phones. We have penicillin. We have online dating. It's really awesome. Yeah, all, the, all three of those things kind of go together well too. They do. They really do. Yeah, man. So, uh, so Trevor, a bunch of stuff is happening. And a bunch of stuff has happened, and you and I have not had the chance to debrief the Concussion Cast Carnival, which happened about 10 we days ago. Not. You've been on a whirlwind of an adventure. For sure, man. So I think I just, I just want to ask you, what was your favorite part of the carnival? Uh, seeing everybody there. There was such a great turnout. Like It started off a little rough with the rain, and then boom, sunshine and jujitsu happened. Um, and man, I just love seeing so many people from the local schools and people traveling to support the guys from Beta Academy and Caitlin from South Carolina. And, and I thought it was awesome. Like, like I talked about before, I was really looking forward to the community aspect, and that's exactly what it was. You know, you had people there, like a lot of people had faced other in tournaments. Uh, a lot of people there had fought each other in MMA fights. So we're all hanging out, eating acai and food trucks and just having a great time man like everyone said this is the best way to spend a sunday in my opinion i couldn't agree more man and i thought it was i thought it was great that uh, bryce mahoney from triangle beans and bowls actually sold out of acai balls <laughs> yeah <laughs> which was great i mean the line was massive the whole time he missed all the jujitsu uh, which is too bad. And next time, I'm going to set him up with a live stream just at the acai stand, so folks in the acai line do not miss any jujitsu. Um, ah, awesome. And I mean, I, like, so I want to talk about my favorite part of the event, but I also want to say that that we learned a lot. And uh, the two things, you know, because you always want to improve. You know, I, I thought it went. Uh, frankly, man, like I was really worried about the weather because it, the, the the forecast was for torrential thunderstorms, and it looked like that was going to oh, yeah. happen. So, yeah. I th- so I thought, in addition to having the first ever women's black belt super fight in North Carolina, I thought we were going to have the first jujitsu super fight outdoors in a thunderstorm, and thankfully that didn't happen. Um, but but the two things that that I want to improve on for next time 
So we experimented with Facebook video, which I thought went really, really well. But but the only but but because we didn't want to invest too much resources in it, not knowing how it was going to go. And so as it turned out, the stream was great, really high quality. It wasn't choppy. But we because we were just experimenting, we didn't have anybody staffing the stream to like move the camera angle and so a lot of the right. so so we didn't get the best angle on a lot of that stuff and i think so for next time we're going to have somebody we'll, we'll oppress a white belt into being the designated camera <laughs> turner yeah i heard that yeah, at one point you had 1600 viewers yeah and and like since that like some something like 16 to 1700 people were watching live at, and and wow. since yeah and since then we've had about a thousand more people come and check out yeah right really yeah. Wow. So it's great. And, you know, I, and I mean, I, I have this, so, so we're not going to do another one of these events until fall for sure, because we need to kind of, um, take, take a step back, rest, recuperate and plan for the next one. But get some alcohol permits, get uh, some clown permits. Get <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Try, try and lobby to change the law so we can have a dunk tank. I was I knew I was in in bad shape when uh, I, I was applying for the permit and there's a checkbox that's like do you have a dunk tank yes no I'm like I can't believe they're asking for a good reason because they want to make sure we have one someone must have messed it up along the line for someone yeah man and yeah so next time we will in your you know next time we will have craft beer permits um it just was a little much this time and with beer durham just about a block away with craft oh, yeah, beer on it, top it was a two minute walk i definitely got some pre-show beers there <laughs> with uh travis Paston and and bumpkin Oh, you you know, if I would have guessed, I you know, I can't believe Jovanovic didn't follow you guys up there. Uh, uh, you I know. know, yeah. The, but the, but busy doing some official picture taking, I think. Yeah, man, it's always like journalism and craft beer. That's Jay Jovanovic. Um, so it, it would be it would be really so the one big improvement we're going to do we're going to improve the stream next time um, uh, I think that'll and I'm going to have a live microphone because boy was I horse after shouting all day and I know yeah. and I mean yeah. either that or I'm just going to make Hamid Sanders announce it because everybody can hear Hamid Sanders over in like oh, no. the next county so other than so I mean the community aspect was definitely my favorite aspect of it in terms of the matches the matches I thought were great and uh, oh yeah there are some barn burners it was awesome what was your favorite match? Uh, the the John Shell and Braddock Hopkins match, and then the and then the women's black belt match. I love the women's black belt match because it was dead quiet. Yeah, <laughs> it was so quiet. Everyone was so intent on every little thing going on in that match. See, those were my two favorite matches too. I mean, and the Shell and Acosta match was just action packed because both of those guys never stop moving and they just keep coming forward relentlessly. And the match between Caitlin and Sam, I thought was was really awesome. Caitlin Huggins and Sam Fallhaber, because a there was a ton of technique, and like like you mentioned, people were paying attention to the technique. I felt like I was watching a pride fight for a second because it's like I was just thinking that I hate you for saying that, but it was it was it was very technical, and then everyone was just dead quiet with their eyes glued on it. Gosh, yeah, and you'd get like a little golf clap when somebody would get an underhook. It was, it was and the other thing I liked about that too is that. So, you know, we didn't want to make matches that would be squashes. We wanted to make good competitive matches. And the great thing about the style matchup between Caitlin and Sam, which you'll hear in the Caitlin Huggins interview, is like obviously Sam has a really great technical guard and Caitlin prefers to play top. And so it was a really good contrast of styles. And what I thought was kind of cool was, uh, you know, during the submission only match, Caitlin was dominating position for a while and Sam was doing a really, a really excellent job with her defensive guard. And then at the end, Caitlin almost got caught. 
Uh, when Sam had her in that choke, and the submission only round ended with Caitlin caught in sort of a modified collar choke from the guard. And it was real tight. It was real tight. And you could tell Caitlin wasn't going to tap. <laughs> you know, you could yeah. tell that she was like, few, you know, short time. If I go out, I go out. Um, and then Caitlin, like, so Caitlin ended up winning on points with a really pretty spectacular guard pass um, where Sam, uh, Sam was playing an excellent defensive guard and had a butterfly hook in and Caitlin did a really excellent sort of variation on the over underpass where she almost did a little handstand and ended up scoring the only points of the match. Um, so yeah, so I was super stoked about that, that, you know, I knew both of those women, I'd trained with both of them. I'd learned a bunch from each of them. I mean, Sam has taught me stuff that I still use to this day. And so I knew that they were both skilled, but you never know if the match is going to live up to your expectations. And I thought it lived up to and exceeded my expectations. It was, it, it all went so much better than anyone could have guessed. Yeah. So thanks to everybody who came out. I want to thank uh, like all the volunteers from triangle jujitsu and cage side MMA who, um, who up to set up the, uh, set up the, the cage, helped us set up the mats. I want to especially thank Daniel Frank, who taught a really outstanding worm guard seminar that I'm bummed I didn't get the chance to actually train with, but I heard nothing but really, to train at rather, but I heard nothing but really good feedback about that. And like you uh, said... There's a good turnout for the women's self-defense seminar by Seth Champ. Definitely. There's a good group there, yeah. And and like and I want to also I want to shout out like it was like another improvement that I want to make next time I want to make ha- get us a bigger mat space because yeah. we had we were about at capacity and like it was one of those things where you hope tons of people will show up and enjoy it and then they do and it's like wow I probably should have arranged to have a bigger mat space but we'll do that next time I also loved yeah. how like the beta guys were just kind of rolling on the mat space <laughs> you know where yeah, they're a good group of guys, man. I love them. They have the right, the right mindset and stuff. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, like, you know, and one of the things that I want to do is because I'm going to have to travel to D.C. again for work, I, I hoped to get up and train with the beta folks because really tough people, really great attitude, really positive training environment. I would love to get an interview with Nakapon and have Nakapon on the podcast at some point. I'm sure that oh, you would yeah. be enthusiastic about that as well because you could ask him about his background in Muay Thai. Yeah, he uh... – he, I remember he popped into the carry school one night. It was really random. We were starting to close up shop on a Friday. And then up pulls the beta guys. Knock up, and I'm like, he's like, hey, look, are we hanging out? And I'm like, heck yeah. And I kept the gym open until like 1030 for him or something like that or 11. And they just hung out and drilled and rolled. And some of the guys from here stuck around too. And, and Knock is such a cool guy to hang out with, man. I know. I would love to have him on the show. Yeah, that would be that would be really fun. And uh, and another improvement that I want to make for the next carnival is we, we definitely want to have those folks back because uh, Andrew Card had a great match against Harold Hubbard. But an improvement I want to make is I want to make sure I get Isaac Renner a match because Isaac is a, is a beast on the mats, is really fun to watch, and it has a really positive attitude. And I want to sort of shout him out in that I was trying to find um, matches for all of them because you know Lori Porsche had a match. And Nakapon and Andrew had a match, and and so I wanted to give those guys as much of an excuse to justify the drive, and so I was trying to find a bunch of the matches. And I want to say Isaac really wanted a match, but he told me he's like, "Hey, but find a match for Andrew Card first, um, because Isaac had already performed on a Toro Cup card." And I just thought that was a really cool right. self selfless thing of Isaac, and so I want to make sure that that he gets the chance to to be on one of these cards in the future. Yeah, definitely, man. He's he's always a class act too, man. All those guys are. For real. So one thing before we get into the, the before we recap before we finish up the recap of the carnival, 
um, and and get on to the news. One thing I want to say to the listeners, first of all, thank you to everyone who, who listens to the show, especially if you showed up at the carnival. And if you weren't able to show up at the carnival, uh, I know a bunch of people that wanted to come but couldn't watch the live stream. That's another way of supporting us, and I really want to thank you for supporting us. And I will mention, you know, the next card we're looking at mid-September, maybe se- September 17th for either a Toro Cup or a Concussion Cast Carnival. Um, yeah, depending on, you know, I got to get with Boomer and talk about what his plans are. But that is the time frame we're looking at for the next event of this nature. So if you would like to be on the card, or if you would like to, if you know someone that's really awesome that hasn't had an opportunity yet, or a great match that hasn't happened yet that you want to see, hit us up at um, cagesidewhoop, cagesidewhup at gmail.com, or tell me and Trevor, and uh, let us know who you most want to see compete, because uh, that's something we always want to pay attention to, is the, the, we want to put on the matches that people want to see. So with that, with that said, Trevor, anything else uh, that you want to say about the carnival? You did an outstanding job, and I couldn't be prouder of being your friend. Oh, big hugs! <laughs> I know, big jetpack hugs through the robot butler of the uh, of, of of the internet. Um, so cool. Let's talk about the news. There's a, there's actually we're into a pretty exciting time when there's a lot of local events and there's a run up to the Jiu Jitsu World Championships the first uh, weekend of June, which I want to talk about just a little. But locally, we have two pretty exciting things coming up uh, this weekend and next. Uh, first of all, kickboxing is going to return to the carnival to, to to the triangle. Carnival. Yeah, well, <laughs> Maybe we'll have a kickboxing carnival one day. Exactly, exactly. No, the, I mean, in, in all seriousness, foreshadowing alert. And we might yeah, just do that. Here you go. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, I'm really excited. Um, it's been a long, long time since kickboxing has been in the triangle. Um, uh, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, this is Don Rogers' first time uh, jumping into the promoting world. He's partnered up with uh, the guys from One Hit Boxing Promotions. Hmm. They do a great job with boxing. Um, they're taking a big leap by hosting fights at the Dorton Arena, which is a pretty sizable area uh, to hold fights at. Um, man, and it's really been since I think like the 90s, there's been a kickboxing and Muay Thai show uh, here in North Carolina. Um, so we're really excited that that's going on here. Maybe it can start bringing up more interest in in the local uh, Muay Thai and kickboxing programs here in the area. Most definitely. And so there's going to be a bunch of different matches. Some, I think a mix of amateur and pro. Is that right? Um, there are. So there, there's all the amateur match, matches are all international kickboxing rules uh, in accordance with the North Carolina Boxing Commission, which means just uh, punches and kicks. Uh, you know, head kicks, body kicks, leg kicks are allowed. Head and body punching allowed. Um, we're trying to push them to modify the rules to allow the clinch work and and knees, um, so we can attract more gyms from out of state. Um, but uh, then on the pro side of the card, we have pro boxing and pro Muay Thai fights. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm very excited about that. Yeah, the, the, and, and you know, as everyone knows who's who's done matchmaking, like sometimes you have. Uh, you have one of these events to build for a future event, and so as you mentioned, you know even if you don't uh, have the all the rule sets that you want, it's really important to get that event out there so that people get excited about it, see how interesting and fun that watching kickboxing can be live, and so then you can build on that for the future. Are there people that are competing that you are particularly excited about watching? Because I, I have some triangle jiu-jitsu guys that I'm excited about watching, yeah, but I'm curious yeah, I'm about. Really excited uh, for Charles Estep from trying to get you to fight. I love that guy, man. Right attitude, athletic. He, uh, he, I, he, he stopped by the gym on a Sunday, Monday for sparring. He's come a long way to stand up. Um, really excited to see him fight. Uh, I'm really not too sure who he fights though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, I'm, 
I'll be there with uh, three guys that train here at Forge Fitness. Um, I'm more or less they cross train. Um, they come to me for pad work and classes and sparring, but they kind of still have like other main gyms that they're at. They're here two to three times a week. Um, that would be Evan Daniel, uh, who is the main amateur fight, I believe. Uh, he's fighting for an amateur title uh, in kickboxing. And then uh, Jason Jordan, who's a local boxer turned kickboxer. Uh, and those are the two guys that I took down to Sumter, South Carolina, and both won by TKOs in the second round. Um, I'm excited that they're, that they're staying in action. And then um, a good buddy of mine that uh, he and I have been training partners for a long time, Gustavo Navarrete, who's had about they've had 10 amateur kickboxing matches now, and, and he has a pretty good fight on the card. He's a very exciting fighter to watch. He's very loose, lots of combinations and angles. Very, very fun to watch. Excellent. We'll be sure to watch all of those, and uh, you know, and I know that um, some other. Oh, tri- got Harold Hubbard. He's, he's on the he's on the pro side of the card. He's got a pro Muay Thai fight. Well, Harold is like it's it's actually you know, I marvel at Harold's ability to get back in shape quickly, especially as someone who's in his thirties. Because man, like I, I remember when Harold came to me and 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 asked for a match at the carnival, and was like, "Hey, man, I really need to get in shape. I want to start fighting again." And and Harold was ample at that time he was girthsome mm-hmm. he was large and in charge um and man i saw him at the carnival and i was like damn harold's lean and mean yeah. and uh and well, just this week just this past weekend when i saw him he was even smaller uh, harold is trying to get down to like my weight so he can show up in the studio and challenge me to a heel hook off i think uh, i can see him doing that he'd, he'd steal a dave porter's luchador mask <laughs> yeah he would so 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 not to go back to the recap but one of my favorite madcap moments of the carnival um was or, or i guess these are two moments is i didn't know either of these things was going to happen until just before they happened uh, is that harold hubbard who was in a sweatsuit and I don't think Dewan or Jojo or anybody who had walked Harold up to the cage knew this either. Harold's in a sweatsuit. He's ready. We introduce him. He takes off his sweatsuit and he is wearing a skin tight wrestling singlet with what appeared to be no cup. Um, yeah. And yeah, that said to happen. And, and I was like, and, you know, and, and I, I, uh, Jake Whitfield, last week's guest, was was alternating matches Re- he was one of the referees for the event and thanks to jake and thanks to john bagels telford for refereeing the event and those two just randomly selected which matches that they would ref they alternated and jake got stuck with harold's match and the dave porter match where dave walks out in uh, uh, in in spats and a luchador mask and one of my favorite yeah, photos I had the look on face of i can't believe he's had me in front of me right now it's just funny because you know jake is very much a purist and very much a no nonsense guy where i think he told me once like the only celebration that he would ever that he would ever be in favor of is if you win the world championship you're allowed to raise one finger in the air one time because then you are number one, and only for a second, and then you don't get to you don't get to have any shenanigans. And so it was just hilarious that I had no idea this was happening. Neither did Jake, and just randomly, Jake and Bagels decide who's going to get that which match, and Jake gets the two matches where the most nonsensical tomfoolery happens. You got to have fun with doing stuff that you love, man. You got to. I am a firm believer. I am I am pro fun, and I vote. Uh, but but. Uh, at any rate, so so it'll be great. I'll be excited to watch Harold fight. Harold is always entertaining to watch fight. I know he wants to 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 and and, so, and he's in great shape. So good for him. Um, 
do you know if there's any women's kickboxing matches? Because I know Jesse Lancaster was going to have a match, but um, but you I didn't. To my knowledge, there are not any women's kickboxing matches on this one. However, uh, for the next one that should be in October, there are two women I have in mind that we kind of get fights on that show not against each other, but uh, they're in totally different weight classes. But it'll be good to have them on there. Um, uh, they're both very exciting competitors. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Well, that's awesome. So, so that is May 14th at Dorton Arena. Is that right? Yes, sir. We'll post all the information about this on our Facebook page. If you're friends with any of the fighters, you can also check their Facebook pages for information. Um, but and yeah, also going on this weekend in New York, I believe, is the WKA uh, Nationals. Oh, wow. If we ha- do, if we have locals competing there, we w- we should definitely. You know, I, I, uh, some of our friends from our good homie uh, Chris Clodfelter's gym are competing up there. So we can, probably, we can probably get a recap from him when it's all said and done. That'd be awesome. Maybe we can have Chris call in and give us a recap because uh, I think people would be excited to hear about that. Yeah. So that's kickboxing. And so also, f- uh, oh. Jason Farrell, who also called into the show briefly, uh, our, our interview with him, that kind of messed up. But uh, he's got a good crew going out there to the WKAs. He's, he's right up there in uh, Maryland, so he's got a couple-hour drive in New York. Cool. Well, we will definitely plan on doing a recap of the WKAs. So, folks, if you enjoy kickboxing, uh, A, check out the show uh, for our recap of the WKAs, and B, get out and support this card. The best way to um, get cards like this to continue is to show your support by being there in person and supporting your local fighters. So, May 14th at Dorton Arena, kickboxing. Um, And speaking of supporting local fighters, Next Level Fight Club is going to return for their second card in the triangle uh, the following weekend on the 21st. And, yeah, um, even, and their, their last show, even though they had some, some pretty gnarly last-minute dropouts, like literally day of, there was still a good turnout, and they still put on a good show. Yeah, I, I, thought it, I, I thought it was a really entertaining event. And, you know, you never can't, like, especially with MMA, but, like, any combat sport, injuries and, and dropouts are a part of the game. But MMA has particular problems with that. Um, nevertheless, they were able to put on uh, what I thought was a really enjoyable card. And I think this card actually looks stacked in terms of yeah. folks that I'm interested in seeing fight. Like Alan Crowder had a terrific match, a terrific fight at the last event that was unfortunately cut short by a doctor stoppage, but he'll, he'll be fighting again. And a lot, a lot yeah, of folks fighting a former hometown fighter, Keith Bell, you know, and so, so we should break down that fight. The thing I'm most, you know, I'm most excited to see Jake Whitfield's return to the cage. Jake, uh, hoist, you know, hoist Gracie Blackwell are, who was our guest, uh, last weekend and we've had a lot of good feedback on that interview so go back and check it out if you haven't listened to it and jake great little great little blue belt video you made for that that was outstanding by the way oh thanks i'm glad i'm glad you enjoyed it you know jake jake's a really thoughtful guy about jujitsu and and fight sports generally and and so he he has a really well reasoned perspective on a lot of stuff and and the great thing about him is an interview subject he'll tell you what he thinks um yeah and so so jake hasn't fought in almost five years and uh, the, and and is one of the most successful MMA fighters that we've seen in North Carolina. Twelve and run one overall record, and but just has been more focused on teaching, on growing his school. And so he's fighting Portland Pringle, who's a very experienced fighter and looks to be just a physical beast. I haven't seen the dude fight, but he has more than. I've watched him fights, and he's very athletic. He's quick. He throws hard punches. Um, uh, you know, but I think this is a good matchup. This is a really good matchup for Jake taking time off. You know, the guy's going to come out, get in Jake's face, and if Jake does what he needs to, then he's he's going to score a pretty decisive victory, in my opinion. Well, uh, seeing Jake fight, he has a very uh, technical approach to fights, and and he always seems to have have a good head on his shoulders. 
The mental game is so important, and Jake is maybe the most mentally tough combat athlete that I have trained with. You know, you yes. you might beat him, but you're not going to beat him mentally. Yes. So, what do you know about the Alan Crowder fight versus Keith Bell? What's your take on that the fight? The Alan Crowder Keith Bell fight. I'm, uh, that's very exciting. Um, Keith Bell. He was a former uh, local fighter. He hopped around between uh, Forge Fitness and uh, Rapid Fitness, um, and then. At that point, he ended up kind of moving on, uh, trained out at American Kickboxing Academy in San Jose for a while, trained to the Black Zillions um, down in Florida for a while, like trained to some really top-end gyms. Um, he's been a little hit or miss in his pro career so far, but he has, he has all the tools to be a great fighter. When he's on, he's on. Um, he, he made his home in Newport News, where he's originally from, uh, to be with his kids. Um, so kudos to him. Uh, he stopped by. A couple months ago for some training, and it was great to catch up with him. And, and like I said, when, when he puts it all together, he's on. Um, and then you have the absolute freight train that is Alan Crowder. Uh, with Alan Crowder, he too has a thing that he, if he puts everything together, which he does a good job of, he puts it together, uh, he's on point. His biggest area has been his cardio. Uh, you can see that he will get winded sometimes. Sometimes he just flies right on through the fight. When he gets on little winning sprees, his cardio tends to lack, but him coming off of two losses and then the, I think the last fight was, there, was a no contest maybe they declared it at his last fight? Or was it a, it, one to be a doctor stoppage? It, it was a no, I do believe they, they declared it a no contest due to the, uh, an accidental eye poke, but the doctor wouldn't let yeah. the fight continue. So if, I believe Allen should be coming out in good uh, physical condition shape. Um, and if that's the case, and we're looking for a very explosive first round, uh, and, and either one of these guys could come out on top in that first round. The longer it goes, I'll probably put it towards Alan's favor, I want to say. Don't hit me, Keith Bell. <laughs> so. Well, you gotta, you gotta tell it like it is or tell it, call it yeah, like you yeah, see yeah, it. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that, that's, those sound like two really exciting fights, um, that, uh, that, that, that folks can look forward to. Um, the the whole card though looks pretty stacked, and if you're interested, two things about that card: you can get uh, tickets at nextlevelfightclub.com. We've also posted a link on our Facebook page that'll give you a direct link to be able to to uh, to, to, to purchase tickets. Please remember, if you want to support any one particular fighter, when you buy tickets, use their last name as the promo code. So if you are a student of Jake Whitfield's, put Whitfield in there. If you're a friend of Alan Crowder or Keith Bell, put Crowder or Bell, and those guys will get a cut of. of yeah, I know. Of, I'm, I'll be there cornering. Uh, two or three fights. So one of our guys from the gym here, his, his opponent might have backed out last minute. The promoter's not too sure. The guy's being a little sketchy, which is a bit of a bummer. But uh, I'll be there cornering uh, Daniel Branch and Evan Aaron Dondo from Gracie Rally, who cross-trained here quite a bit. That's awesome. And, like, you know, we've had Daniel Branch on the show, uh, and Daniel's had a frustrating time um, in, in terms of getting fights because he, he'll, he'll get fights set up, he'll get into great shape, he'll be ready to fight, and something will happen. His opponent will drop out. Uh, and, and, and hopefully you know, at the last show, they actually brought it, they brought him into the cage to talk just because so many people had shown up, including us to see Daniel fight. And at least they gave him the chance to get in the cage and, and say thank you to all those folks. So hopefully he, he gets to fight this time. Absolutely. I, I hope so. He does too. Yeah. And I will, uh, you know, I will be there. Uh, I will be flying, uh, you know, uh, at least my plan is so. I, you know, the reason that me and Trevor are pre-recording uh, two or three podcasts in a row is because uh, I'm in the midst of work travel for my new job. But I think I'm going to be able to fly back and see this fight because uh, uh, you know, a 
it, Hoist Gracie is going to be there. He's going to be delivering seminars. I don't want to miss those seminars. Uh, B, he's going to be in Jake Whitfield's corner, which I think is going to be really, really fun. It'll be exciting to watch you know, Jake fight, uh, make his return to the cage with Hoist there. And I just miss training, and I miss North Carolina, man. And so I really want to get back and hang out with some folks. This is Jeff Shaw. Aw, shucks. Plus, if I show, you know, honestly, if if some, plus if Daniel Branch's opponent backs out, uh, I don't even know who it is, so I'm not trying to cast dispersions on anybody. But if Daniel, if somebody's opponent backs out and they need some last minute grappling matches like they did last time, at least, hey, I'll be available. <laughs> so yeah, so next so next level Fight Club. That's May 21st. It's uh, a Saturday, so please get out and support your friends. Watch uh, Trevor corner some folks and uh, just enjoy and support the scene. So there's one more thing I want to talk about in terms of news, Trevor, and so then if you have anything, we can get into any of that. The one thing I'll mention is that um, we are in a lead-up to the Jiu-Jitsu World Championships, which is going to happen the first week of June in Long Beach, and I'm very excited to report that my job is actually sending me out to California that week, not for the Jiu-Jitsu World Championships, as far as they know, but I will be there, so I'll be able to give some on-site reporting from some of uh, North Carolina's finest who are going to be out there competing. And so people I know for a fact competing, and I apologize if I left you out, but it's just because I haven't confirmed with everybody. I know that um, Kim Rice will be out there. I know that Shayla, too, will be out there. And frankly, folks, you know, it's really tough to call blue belt divisions because there are, you know, a hundred people in blue belt divisions. But I, I think Shayla is a real contender to win the blue belt world championship this year. She feels like a beast. She's been training really hard and really had a good run over the last year. And so somebody excited to see how she does. Um, Alex Cummings, who is in, I think the best shape of his life will also be out there competing at blue belt for team hoist Gracie. Now, Alex is always in shape, but he's actually, I mean, he's, he's hired a nutritionist. He's been training, he's been training his butt off. Yeah, I know. So, so like, and these are people that compete and do well anyway, you know, Shayla, Alex, Kim, and so, um, so very excited to see how they do. Um, and if you, if you are, and so a note to, to listeners, if you are competing at the Worlds, please send me a note at cagesidewhoop at, at, at gmail.com. That's cagesidewhoop at gmail.com because we'd like to preview you, you, know, you performing if you want. We'd like to interview you afterward. Or if I'm there, I'll be taking pictures. I'll be taking audio. And so I, I would love to keep folks uh, apprised of your matches as well. I also want to mention, and we get into this in the featured interview with Caitlin Huggins, that Mary Holmes will be competing. Mary Holmes, who is who won the pans and won absolute at the pans despite being about 135, and she will be competing. And I think if Mary um, goes forth and 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 performs to her abilities, I think Mary is going to be a force at Purple Belt. Absolutely. She kind of ran house last time we saw her compete. Yeah, you know, Mary, um, Mary Holmes focused and, and ready to compete is... A re- it's a force to be reckoned with. It's like it's it's um she mows through people that are that are really good at jujitsu, and so so we're excited to see see our friend Mary Holmes compete. Um, Trevor, do you have anything uh, that you want to add about either the jujitsu world championships or anything else coming up that you want the listeners to know about? Um, I'm blanking out a little bit. Uh, I know there's some kickboxing matches coming up in June. Might be taking some people too. Uh, shoot, what else is going on around here? It's a good question. Oh, like the one thing I will say is Hoist Gracie is going to be uh, delivering a series of seminars at the local Hoist Gracie schools. I think he's going to be in town from about the 20th of May till about the 26th of May. I know he's teaching a seminar at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu for our grand opening, Triangle Jiu-Jitsu, May 21st. He's going to be out in Goldsboro on that Tuesday. 
Um, and he's going to be at Forged for at least one seminar. I don't know if he's doing two seminars at Forged or not. But uh, watch I have no idea. I just work there. Yeah. <laughs> well, watch Facebook for the information. You will have a chance. No matter where you train, you will have a chance to see Hoist Gracie if you are in town. And so that's the news. And so, Trevor, our featured interview this week uh, is an interview that I conducted over the phone uh, with Caitlin Huggins, uh, who we've both talked about a little bit. Black Belt trains at Divine Jiu-Jitsu, um, and is I, I think we both were super impressed with the way that she performed at at the carnival. Yep, sweet girl. I actually got to hang out with her a little bit. She stopped by uh, the gym with CJ uh, for CJ to just MMA practice, and we went out to eat. And really, really sweet girl. Really humble. Um, she got to talking about the bit of time that she lived in Brazil, and then she's a really cool chick, man. I'm really glad I've gotten to meet her. Yeah, Caitlin is awesome, and this is a really cool, wide-ranging conversation that ranges from basically her jiu-jitsu history, like where she trained, who, where she got her black belt, her plans for competition, her plans for the future. Uh, she also just has had a really interesting life, and we talk a little bit about horror movies, about her career as a freelance writer, uh, reviewing horror films. We talk a little bit about her career as a welder. We talk about... Uh, the I'm wi- really bummed out we did not get to the topic of horror movies. I could have talked to her for hours about that. Well, you know, well, frankly, next time Caitlin is in town, because Caitlin does come up to the Triangle quite a bit, and she does teach women's open mats, or women's classes, as well as uh, organizing women's open mats, which we talk about too. But the next time she's in town, why don't we get Caitlin into the studio and we'll do a cage side OT with you and Caitlin Huggins just talking about horror movies. Yeah, absolutely. And so without further ado, here is our featured interview with uh, Divine Jiu Jitsu Black Belt, active competitor, and Concussion Cast sponsored fighter, Caitlin Huggins. Why don't we start with how you got started training jiu-jitsu? Why did you want to do it, and where did you start training? Um, I think I always wanted to do a martial art since I was little, and uh, I had uh, been living with my mom growing up, and I never really had the chance. And um, my dad was doing jiu-jitsu in Florida, um, training under Eduardo de Lima, who's from Gracie Baja Rio. And he was teaching classes out of his garage in Florida, and um, my dad would take me when I would visit him over the summers when I was 12. And, you know, it was only one month out of the year, so it wasn't very consistent training. And when I was 15, I moved in with him, and it was it became a regular thing. And at first, like, I didn't want to do jiu-jitsu because, it's, you know, I was a young girl and I wasn't very flashy. And uh, I told my dad I wanted to do Muay Thai, and he was like, well, you have to do jiu-jitsu for a little bit before we do that. I agreed, and then I suddenly started, you know, doing well in jiu-jitsu, and I, I was the only girl, and I was the only one under 30 in there, and so, you know, the first time you get a submission or a sweep on someone, it, I just kind of fell in love with it from there. So how long, in, how long all told have you been training jiu-jitsu? I'd say about 13 years. And when did you get... I would always go back to it. <laughs> and when did you get your black belt? Um, a year ago. And who who gave you your black belt? Eduardo de Lima. And Eduardo was my first teacher. Um, I trained under him, you know, those summers when I would visit my dad. And uh, then six months into my white belt before my dad moved and started his own school. And he was a purple belt at the time. And so how did you wind up training at Divine's in Charleston? Well, I was in Charleston and... I needed a place to train, and um, I started out at Checkmat Charleston, but um, uh, the atmosphere wasn't really for me, and I 
you know, was contacted by one of the guys at Divine to come on over and check it out. And the guys there were just really, really solid and welcoming. And I think they have like six or seven black belts there, um, all under Scott Divine, who's the first uh, black belt, American black belt under Helson. Have you been competing for your entire jiu-jitsu career since you started training? Uh, pretty much. I took a little bit of a break um, between purple and brown and hadn't, you know, done any really serious competing for, um, I would say, two, four years. And then recently, within the past two to three years, I uh, just started training more and more seriously and got back into competing. I think when you get your black belt, too, you kind of, it's a, it's a sign to get your stuff together. <laughs> so, you want to represent the belt. Mm-hmm. What do you think you get out of competing? I think it really, really strengthens my jiu-jitsu. You know, eventually when I'm older, I want to settle into a teaching position. And if I'm going to do that, I want to teach the best jiu-jitsu I can. So speaking of teaching, uh, I know that you're doing some teaching, at least right now. You teach women's classes and you pick up some other classes as well. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. How did you get started teaching the women's only classes? I know you, you've taught some, though. You're, you're te- you taught one tonight at Divine's, and you taught one at Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu earlier this week. How did that start? Well, uh, at Checkmat Charleston, they asked me to host one, and I didn't get a lot of attendees, and it was kind of discouraging. Um, but I tried it again at Divine, and at Divine now I have a regular group of uh, ladies who come in and train, and They've been training for a year or more, so it's. I, I have to admit, like teaching the women's class is my favorite class to teach. And I went to my first ladies' open mat uh, last January, and in Archdale, and um, it was just really encouraging. It made me want to teach more and to build a community of jujitsu women. What do you think it is about a women's only class or a women's open mat that helps uh, in, retain and encourage women uh, in jiu-jitsu? Well, no one really understands uh, how it is to be a woman in jiu-jitsu except women. And there are a lot of issues and needs that are specific to us. Because um, it's, it, it's really... there. It's mentally straining to be a woman in jiu-jitsu. I would say it's more mentally difficult than it is physical. Um, so being around other women in jiu-jitsu, it's, it's like you finally uh, meet someone and think to yourself, okay, here's someone I can relate to. And here's someone who's my strength or size, rank, and I can test my game out on. So there are a ton of reasons. It's, it's just a straight... So we were talking about uh, women's oven mats and women's classes, and you're teaching generally. So you do have goals to teach, and would that include owning your own school at some point? Is that something that is a goal for you? I have thought of that. Uh, I think my my ultimate vision is to have a solid team of women, like a competition, a women's competition team, and. Um, you know, I'm I'm open to the idea of having my own school. It's really hard 
to get women into jiu-jitsu, so maybe in all women's schools overreaching. <laughs> but um, I would like to start with a competition team, and I think it, that it could be possible if you start with the younger girls. Um, I teach kids' classes, too, and most of the students are, are girls. I think when they see a female instructor, it's more encouraging for them to do it. And it's the same uh, with the women's classes. There are a lot of black belt women teaching those. So my uh, vision is to one day run a school with uh, a large group of uh, female students who who want to be there, who are serious about training and are focused and tough and uh, that's that's probably my ultimate dream. So you just competed in the, the first ever super fight between two black belt women in the state of North Carolina, which you, you won by points, and that was against Sam Fallhaber, who's a, a very skilled, technical, competitive black belt. Um, what do you remember? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought that was a great match, and I'm wondering what struck you most about the match, what you remember most about it. It was... I, I was nervous about the match because I'd seen Sam compete in the Miami Open. And um, I knew that she was a regular competitor and has probably been more active than me in recent years competing. So I was pretty nervous about the match. Uh, you know, I wanted, I really wanted a submission, but, you know, at that level, <laughs> it's, it's so hard. And Sam was really technical. She she had a great guard, and I think when you're in matches like that, I, I know for me personally, um, you're hesitant to kind of try crazy things, <laughs> and I just tried to stick to my game. You know, um, I really love passing guard and the over underpass uh, especially, so I just kind of tried to set that up again and again and try to get to that controlled position and get the submission and even though I didn't I, I really enjoyed the match I, I tried to pace myself so you know I had the energy to keep at it so do you enjoy super fight competitions more than tournaments or is it a different kind of enjoyment or do you, do you like one more than the other I definitely like the super fight better um the tournament's kind of a necessary evil um, because it's expensive and just the whole experience can be. I mean, you wait all day to go and compete, you know, and once you do go and have your match, like you only have that one shot to, to, to win or else, you know, you, you flew out there and you trained and that was your one match, you know, um, and then every match you win on, on out from that, it's that same feeling. So it's it's really uh, mentally straining the tournament, whereas the super fights. But I think the competitors are much better treated, and it's much more casual. It sounds like you you enjoyed playing top game a little bit more. You would describe yourself more as a guard passer. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And why do you think that is? Like, I, I always wonder what people's games in jujitsu say about them, in personality-wise, or whether or whether they say anything about them personality-wise. What, what do you think about that? Uh, I think that 
it's really determined by um, body structure. And it can be personality, too, you know. If you're a more... Like, some people play a really dy- dynamic game, right? Like, they they like the dynamic guard passes versus I like the pressure traditional passes. And that can be reflective of your personality. You know, I kind of stick to more traditional stuff. I'm trying to open up more, but... Um, I do think it has a lot to do with body type as well. You know, if you have long legs and are really tall, you probably like playing guard. Maybe you like throwing the submissions from the guard, you know. Um, for me, being uh, the smaller person in a gym full of very large dudes, most of my jiu career, I don't want to get smushed on bottom. So I, uh, I try to, to stay on top to... Um, <clears throat> take the back, and if I, I if I have to pull guard, my objective is to sweep immediately. And I have uh, a few sweeps that I are my go-tos for that. But I don't know. Passing guard is kind of like uh, hearing out a puzzle, and I like that about passing guard. It it's a puzzle. It makes you simulate your brain and kind of challenges you. So speaking of challenges, uh, I know you have some ambitious competition goals. You're going to compete at the Worlds this year. And do you do you have – are there things that you say, this is what I want to check off the list before I'm done competing? Like do you have particular tournaments that you want to win? Do you have you know, super fight goals? Or do you not think in those terms? Do you just think I'll compete as, as I want to? I, I definitely have definitive – competition goals. I I would like to place in a world companion as a black belt because I think that's that's the highest level you can you can do in in competitive jujitsu. And I have placed um, in the world in Pan Ams as a blue belt and a pro belt and I realize that is not the same as the black belt. But you know that's that's my goal and you know I, I, I think that if if others can do it, why can't I? I just need to, to figure out what's the best way to go about training and to train as much as possible. But if I could place in those tournaments, that's, that would just make me, you know. And um, from there on out, like, I would love to do more and more super fights. And I think I have probably like another eight to ten years of competition in me. Who's your favorite jiu-jitsu competitor of all time, either to watch or just someone that you admire? That's so hard. Uh, <laughs> I would say, because I have a few, <laughs> hmm. I, I really admire the meows, and uh, a lot of people always criticize them. You know, I talk about it with my friends, and they say jokes like, they're on the spectrum somewhere, but I think there's something really, really admirable about someone with such singular focus and that's something to aspire to. Um, I got to train with Paulo Meow and Unity and he's just such a, he'll ask anybody to roll in everybody. And that's really, that, that's impressive to me, you know. Um, aside from them, Tammy Musumeci, I have a lot of respect for her, especially after that match with Nicolini. Um, and I got to see her uh, win for matches in her division at Pan Ams this year. Um, she's got a really good attitude, 
and then there's uh, Lucas Leitchi. And um, the reason I really like uh, or admire him as a competitor is because watching his matches, he's kind of perfected this one technique that he can do on anybody. And I think that when you can do that, you can say that you've come close or have mastered the technique. Yeah, those are good answers, and I, I like w- with Lucas especially. It's interesting that you would answer that way, given that you know what he's mastered is the half guard, and you consider yourself more yes. a top, and, you know, and you consider yourself more a top player. So it's interesting that you can sort of apply that across tactical lines and just say like, I, I admire a good thing done so well. Been half guard, so I have been playing a lot more with Shin on Shin. So switching gears a little bit, you used to write for, and maybe you still do, for HorrorNews.net, the horror film website. Yes. <laughs> How did you get started doing that? Well, I have an English degree. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of funny. Like, I, I do have different interests, and uh, I've always been kind of torn between writing and jujitsu. Obviously, <laughs> jujitsu is kind of taken over that. Um, but I've always loved horror movies, too. And somebody put a call out that they needed a freelance writer to review horror movies. and. You know, I jumped on it. I get to watch horror movies and write about them. What's <laughs> cooler than that? What about horror movies uh, would you enjoy? Like, what, what, what's, what, what part of that experience do you like? I, I think just taking people out of their comfort zone and uh, the willingness to be absurd and daring and kind of provocative. Um, I, I really don't like much that comes out, you know, and I I like stuff that's under the radar, you know, um, and the horror, I don't know what it is about it. I think it's just an appreciation for the, uh, shock value. And like I said, that kind of absurdity at times can be kind of humorous. (laughs) Do you have a favorite horror film? Oh, that's hard. If you asked me years ago, I would have said The Shining. The Shining or The Exorcist. Now, now I watch more along the lines of movies like Would You Rather or The ABCs of Death or VHS and the more grimier side of horror movies. Another Facebook question I wanted to ask you is I saw you were studying welding. Yes, <laughs> So what, what what got you into that as someone with an English degree? Well, um, you know, I wasn't doing anything with my English degree, and but I wanted, for the past three years, I've been trying to figure out how to make it so that I can focus on training and, and competing. And my dad suggested that I learn a trade because I could have a job anywhere and make good money. And, you know, I thought that would be a way to kind of fund fund what I was trying to do. And I, I just, I took it up and started learning. I thought, you know, if some of my friends who uh, are welders that train with me could do it, why couldn't I? I got um, certified in make welding and I worked as a welder for a little bit, but uh, it didn't, the, the place where I was working, it, it was a, pretty bad atmosphere the work wasn't horrible but like i said the atmosphere was just it wasn't great it's not a very welcoming place for 
women at work, especially though South Carolina. Um, and it really conflicts with jujitsu, which was, you know, I was doing welding for jujitsu, so it's kind of like counterintuitive. Because um, welders, you know, they work 40 to 80 hour weeks, and it's really tough on your body. In the place where I was working, they did things like not use bars or handles on grinders or gloves when they capacitated or sleeves when they welded. <laughs> but I was always kind of paranoid that something would, would mess with what I was trying to do, which, you know, training and competing jiu-jitsu. So I still have that certification and I'm open to welding again, but it's not my priority right now. So it sounds like you're trying to you're still trying to find that perfect career and jujitsu mix where you find a job that enables you to uh, continue to reach your competition goals. Mm-hmm. Exactly. To finish up a conversation about training, um, you you make a lot of trips up and down the East Coast to train. It seems you know, you train at Divines regularly. You're up here in the Triangle sometimes. You trained at Unity recently. Um, is that something that you plan or just something that works out? You know, I didn't plan it, and like I said, I went to the ladies' open at Archdale, and that's where I met Mary Holmes and uh, a lot of the other girls, like Lourdes, and um, I decided to host my own ladies' open mat in Charleston, and I had almost 30 girls there, and it was probably one of the best days of my life. I mean, there were so many women in there, and everyone was just so happy to be there and train together. I had several women walk in and be like, there are this many women that trained you just <laughs> Where did you find them? <laughs> it was, it, I, I met a lot of great people and um, was willing to travel to train with them more, you know, like Mary and Chapel Hill and uh, went to more and more ladies at the mass, like the one in Charlotte and met up with the guys at Great Grappling. So it's like, it was just kind of a snowball effect. And I, I love going to different gyms and training because you get so used to people's game that it's unrealistic when you go out of competition because you don't know what they're going to do. So I think it pushes me to keep evolving and to adapt to new, uh, you know, counters and strategies. And I also get to meet awesome people. <laughs> Speaking of awesome people, you've competed with a, with you've you've competed at uh, high level tournaments. Uh, with black belts. And so put the context for me, how good is Mary Holmes exactly? Uh, she's very good. She's a lot better than she thinks. <laughs> Probably, I mean, there's a reason I I drive, we, we drive four and a half hours to see each other. <laughs> you know, it's hard to find technical women like that in this area. Is there anything that I haven't asked about that you want people to know or that you think I should have asked about? I hope that this first super fight kind of inspires more to happen with female black belts. And, you know, I can't wait for there to be more black belt women. And, you know, you mentioned Mary Holmes. Like, she's not far off. And it's going to be great in the next five to ten years to see all of us, especially in the Southeast, to be a part of the first female black belt super fight (laughs) in North Carolina. That was, it, it was such a, a real experience and an honor and um, I look forward to doing more well everybody loved the match and I think everybody would love to to see you do some more some more super fights down here and so we're going to do what we can to make that happen 
Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to with me today. Thank you so much. So that's the show for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to thank my guest, Caitlin Huggins, Black Belt from Divine Jiu-Jitsu, Outstanding Jiu-Jitsu Competitor, and Cage Side Concussion Cast Sponsored Fighter. I want to thank my man, Trevor Hayes, for calling in and helping us do the show remotely. And most of all, of course, I want to thank you, the listener. If you liked the show or if you have other feedback, please let us know. We're on Twitter and Instagram at CagesideWhoop. That's CagesideWHUP. You can also find us on Facebook at Cageside Radio, facebook.com slash Radio. If you enjoyed the show, please uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and or Stitcher. And if you really liked us, leave us a review. All of that helps us get more visibility, helps us grow the show, and helps the, the local scene grow, which is what we're, what we're counting on and what, what we're aiming at in the future. I also want to thank everybody at whupwhupwhupfm.org for helping us uh, keep our show going remotely and uh, for putting on a great live stream. So to recap, a couple things happening up in, in the coming weeks. You're going to want to check out Kickboxing in the Triangle, May 14th at Dorton Arena. You're going to want to check out Next Level Fight Club's MMA event as Pro MMA returns to the Triangle on May 21st in Raleigh. Um, and if you're at a Hoist Gracie school or if you just have always wanted to meet and learn from uh, the legendary godfather of MMA, you can check out Hoist Gracie uh, in and around North Carolina um, anytime between May 20th and May 26th. Check Facebook for the details. So before we get up on out of here, I want to ask all y'all a favor. I've been looking uh, down at the calendar in the fall for uh, the best possible date for our next event, and I would like y'all to tentatively hold the date of September 17th. It seems like that's going to be the event that's going to be in between the Atlanta Open and in between uh, a U.S. grappling tournament that will give you enough time to compete and or spectate at both. But that's the date we're sort of looking at for our next Super Fight card. Don't quite know whether that's going to be a Toro Cup or a Concussion Cast Carnival, but whatever label we put on it, and you should go out and support Cageside MMA at cageside.com and ToroBJJ, ToroBJJ.com, our local MMA and Jiu-Jitsu brands for sure. But whatever label we put on it, I guarantee you it's going to be some of the best Jiu-Jitsu action that you can possibly see. And we will make some of the uh, – we will do our damnedest to put on all the matches that you want to see and make an event that's going to be fun, interesting, innovative, and just a generally great community event for people that, uh, that train here in North Carolina. And when I say train, yes, obviously I'm talking about jiu-jitsu, but with a little bit of foreshadowing, I've been having some interesting discussions with some of my friends in the kickboxing and MMA community, and let's just say that this one might not just be a jiu-jitsu event, and I think I'm going to leave that exactly where it is. As always, I want to thank all of y'all for taking the time to listen to the Concussion Cast. Uh, we couldn't do it without you, and it's a lot more fun to do it with you. So for Trevor Hayes, I am Jeff Shaw. Thanks again for listening, and we're going to let Tune in the Real Law play us out.